we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the March 1st edition of the sunny side of sports. Let's tip off with African men's basketball. South Sudan recently made history, becoming the first African team to qualify for the FIBA Basketball World Cup in their first attempt. The South Sudanese men booked their World Cup ticket after victories over Senegal, Egypt, and the Democratic Republic of Congo. Many South Sudanese say they're elated over the team's qualification, as we hear now from Deng Gai Deng in Boer, South Sudan. History is in the making. South Sudan will play in the FIBA Basketball World Cup Finals 2023. Led by Nuni Omot's team, high 26 points, South Sudan secured the 83-75 win over Senegal, which also ensured they would finish one of the top two teams in Group F. The South Sudan men's team will head to Japan, the Philippines, and Indonesia to take part in the event. Juba resident Emmanuel Bida says the last win against Senegal filled him with joy and pride after watching the FIBA Basketball World Cup qualifying round. It was a moment of national unity and celebration with us coming together with friends to support the South Sudanese team in the tournament. The victory also served as a source of inspiration and motivation for young basketball players, including people in my family and friends, and also helped raise the profile of basketball in South Sudan. Bida says last week's victory means South Sudan has arrived. He expects the team will still perform high capacity during the next competition. The expectations of the South Sudanese team in the FIBA Basketball World Cup will be likely high, very, very high, given their impressive performance in the qualifying rounds. However, it will also be a very challenging competition, and the team will need to prepare well and work hard to perform at their best. The team has already made history by qualifying for the World Cup in their first attempt, and the country will undoubtedly be proud of their achievements, regardless of the outcome of the tournament. Juba resident Abraham McQueen Ayol says men's basketball team has painted a positive image of the South Sudan despite the five-year-long civil war, continued deadly violence in parts of the country, and the ongoing economic crisis. The South Sudanese basketball team victory against their uh, the other teams uh, such as DRC, uh, Egypt, Senegal, and other countries is a great uh, or huge applaud to the team and uh, the team hard work and the dedication toward this process uh, made South Sudanese happy and feel grateful for their contributions. The country is very happy for this report and will never forget uh, to support them in the FIBA World Cup that is going to come in August. Gola Boyoy Gola, president of South Sudan Youth Union, says he is overjoyed by the South Sudan men's basketball victory. Gola says it is more evidence that South Sudanese has the potential for greatness. It shows that we can actually 
be one nation regardless of our tribes or our difficult uh, political differences and that also shows that uh, sport can play a big role and in terms of uniting our nation we know that the war uh, has divided us a lot but i think with this we are yet again to discover ourselves as one nation one people and that that's what makes some of us proud i'm so happy for the win Gola Heji South Sudanese officials to invest in this sport as one way to bring peace and unity among the country's people. South Sudan entered the African qualifiers game at Al Itihad Stadium in Alexandria, Egypt, with an 8-1 record. Knowing a single win from any of their three remaining games would be enough. In the game against Senegal, the two teams traded the lead for much of the game, with South Sudan ahead by one point at halftime with two-time NBA All-Star Lulding. As interim coach and federation president, South Sudan believes it has more victories ahead in World Cup play. For VOA News, I am Deng Gaiding in Bor. Thanks, Deng. And let's give a sunny side of sports salute to South Sudan's national men's basketball team. Season three of the Basketball Africa League is here. Starting off in Dakar from March 11th to March 21st for the Sahara Conference, then heading to Cairo from April 26th to May 6th for the Nile Conference, and the excitement continues to build in the finals in Kigali from May 21st to May 27th. Tune in and follow the BAL on The Voice of America. In the opening BAL game on March 11th, A.S. Duanis of Senegal will play ABC Fighters of Ivory Coast in Dakar. On March 12th, U.S. Monastir of Tunisia will begin defense of its BAL title when it takes on Stad Malian of Mali. In African boxing, Zimbabwe's Kuda Chiwandire will challenge Yamaleth Mercado on March 18th when she hopes to take the Mexicans' WBC Gold Super Bantamweight title. Michael Cariati gives us more details from Harare, Zimbabwe. Jay Wanderers manager and trainer Clyde Musondaha says they've signed the contract for the fight after all the sticking points were resolved. As the challenger, the Zimbabwean will travel to the studios of Aztec 7 in Mexico City, where the fight will be staged. This is Juanderes' biggest fight since quitting hairdressing to take up a sport that has given her fame, but not yet fortune. The Zimbabwean boxer is excited and says she has been waiting for this opportunity to fight for the WBC gold belt. My uh, training and my preparations all is well. I'm just waiting for the match to be on. As for me, I'm ready. Even if I want to fight tomorrow, even if you say fight tomorrow, I can fight and I will win the title. Wandire is coming off a unanimous points decision over Zulina Munoz of Mexico, while Mercado retained the title in October 2022 with a victory over Mexican countrywoman Marian Juarez. Although she has beaten former title holder Catherine Piri of Zambia and later on 
Munoz, she wanted to face the formidable four in Mercado, who has an impressive record of 20 wins and three losses with five knockouts. Chiwandire, for a part, has a record of five wins, two losses, and a draw. Boxing critic Farai Kambamura is not worried that Chiwandire will be fighting away from home. I'm quite sure and confident that uh, as a Zimbabwean, and in the manner that we have uh, shown ourselves that she will be able to conquer not only Africa, not only Zimbabwe, but uh, the whole world. She has shown that the attributions in uh, boxing are quite uh, in their attendance and their, you know, exhibition is quite sure to be globally existently successful. Wandire is bidding to become the first Zimbabwean in history and one of the few in Africa to hold the prestigious WBC gold belt. The gold title or a belt is the highest any boxer can go as far as the sport is concerned. In fact, Musonda is dreaming of unification in which Wandire wins all the gold belts in the super bottomweight division, including those of the International Boxing Federation, the World Boxing Association, and the World Boxing Federation. Uh, she's heading to unified belts because now she's a WBC. She's going for the main belt, the main belt in Mexico, which is being held by Yamlenz Makado. Yeah, we start from there. At the moment, Chiwandire holds the WBC silver belt. For the Sony side of sports, this is Michael Kariati in Harare, Zimbabwe. Thanks, Michael. Hi, my name is Daniel Egale, president of the Nigeria Wrestling Federation, world and Olympic champion. I want to say a big shout out to the sunny side of sports. Thanks, Daniel. You can follow the sunny side of sports on Facebook, Twitter, and at voaafrica.com. My Facebook address is facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. My Twitter handle is at VOA Sunny Sports. And if you go to voaafrica.com, you can listen online to the sunny side of sports and other VOA programs. Check out voaafrica.com. In athletics, Jamaican sprinter Sharika Jackson is expected to defend her world 200-meter title in August in Budapest. This past weekend, Sharika competed at 60 meters at the World Indoor Tour Final in Birmingham, England. Local favorite Dina Asher-Smith of Britain won the race in 7.05 seconds. Sharika Jackson was fourth overall in 7.18 seconds. The Jamaican has also won world and Olympic medals at 400 meters. In a pre-race interview in Birmingham with the energetic Andy Edwards, Sharika said it was her plan to develop her talents by running a range of distances. Definitely. I've, as I said, I started as a 400-meter runner, which I have got an Olympic and World Championship bronze, um, bronze medal. Um, one of my aim was to always get a gold medal. I, I didn't care which event, but then I switched, and I right now I am a 200-meter gold medalist, and 
the fastest woman alive actually so for me personally is just was just a focus i i didn't know coach and i was going to switch event in 2021 because as i said it was supposed to be 2020 but 2020 was a no-no and i think Personally, for me, um, I think that year was a blessing for me because I had two stress factors in where I was unable to train. And For people who have never run four or 200, uh, they might say, well, it's just half, half the distance. Is it, is it that different? But, I mean, for those on the inside, it, it, it's quite a difference. And you don't often get people who excel at four and two you get one and two but you're going to four and two apart from say michael johnson so just give us an insight i think it's it's really really difficult a a lot of persons don't know how difficult it is to switch from probably 400 to 200 and 100 is very difficult because when you will be able to run probably a 600 in training at certain pace whenever you are sprinting it's all out sprinting so I think it was really really difficult for me but then I conditioned my mind to tell myself that I can do it and I am capable of doing it and I think that is one of the things that helped me to be able to be who I am today. Well, as you said, you're, you're the fastest woman alive at 200 ever. That's quite, that's quite a mantle on your shoulders um, and you're one of the many hundreds maybe more than hundreds in Jamaica who have have come up I think through those Jamaican high school championships and the school uh, athletics Um, now I have to confess I've never been there to see it in person but I've read about it I heard about it give us a feel what's the atmosphere like at those Jamaican school championships and we hear about the kind of well maybe it's wrong to call it a factory but all the sprint talent coming through what's it like competing Um, I think if I look back competing, I would compare it to my first world championship. The only difference is Jamaican atmosphere, it's totally different. It's the, the crowd is engaged whenever you're running. You can hear the crowd, you can feel them. And I think for me personally, it's something that... It's great. I think every athlete who passed through high school, Jamaican high school championship, it prepares you to be a world beater. And I think for me, who was a high school star, I think maybe that is one of the reasons why I'm determined to go after what I want because I know what it feels like to compete among the best. It, it sounds like a, a baptism of fire and at a very early age. <laughs> Definitely. Um, as I said, it's, it's good because you competing with the best of the best. Because you, despite you probably be the fastest, you have girls who want it just like how you want it, and everybody is very, very competitive. It come high school championship come like a world championship. Sharika, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. That's Jamaican sprinter Sharika Jackson, the reigning world champion in the women's 200 meters. And Sharika spoke with the energetic Andy Edwards at the recent World Indoor Tour Final in Birmingham, England. Hi guys, I'm Ferdinando Manyala, the fastest man in Africa, African 100-meter record holder, and now you're listening to Sunny Side of Sports on The Voice of America. Hi, this is Larry London, the host of VOA's Border Crossings, where we feature music and interviews along with your favorite artists from around the world. 
in and interact live with us here in Washington, D.C. Hello, Shirin. Hello, Larry. Hello, Good. How are you tonight? Border Crossings comes to you Monday through Friday at 1500 UTC GMT. Thanks, Larry. That's Larry London, a man who's always ready to cross musical borders. I encourage our sunny side of sports listeners to follow me on Facebook and Twitter. My Facebook address is facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. Once again, that address, facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. And my Twitter handle is at VOA Sunny Sports. Once again, my Twitter handle at VOA Sunny Sports. Here in the United States, Los Angeles County has agreed to pay the widow of Kobe Bryant nearly $29 million after first responders shared photos taken at the site of the helicopter crash that killed the NBA superstar. Kobe Bryant, the couple's teenage daughter, Gianna, and seven others were killed when their helicopter crashed into a hillside near Los Angeles in January 2020. Sheriff's deputies and firefighters who rushed to the scene snapped pictures of the carnage, including the mangled remains of the Los Angeles Lakers legend and his daughter. Kobe's widow, Vanessa, sued for emotional damages over the pictures, which she feared would one day surface on the Internet. Los Angeles County agreed to pay, as I mentioned, nearly $29 million to settle all crash-related litigation. Vanessa Bryant's attorney, Luis Lee, said, and I quote, Today marks the successful culmination of Mrs. Bryant's courageous battle to hold accountable those who engaged in this grotesque conduct. Pro basketball, 10 NBA games Tuesday night. Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks rallied to beat the host, Brooklyn Nets, in New York. As a result, Giannis and the Bucks now have the NBA's longest winning streak this season. The AP's Tom Merriam reports from New York. The Milwaukee Bucks won their 15th straight game, coming from behind to beat the Brooklyn Nets 118-104. The Bucks trailed by eight late in the third quarter as Giannis Antetokounmpo sat down with his fourth foul. But Milwaukee outscored Brooklyn 45-23 the rest of the way to give Mike Budenholzer's team the NBA's longest winning streak this season. Just kind of take it day by day, focus on how are we improving, how are we getting better, um, and you know all those other things. Well, if you're doing the right things day by day, good things will happen. Giannis scored 33 to lead all scorers, pulling down 15 rebounds as well. Chris Middleton added 18 off the bench. The Nets lost for the fifth time in their last six games. Tom Merriam, New York. Thanks, Tom. From New York, let's go to the southern U.S. city of Memphis, Tennessee, where the Memphis Grizzlies beat the visiting Los Angeles Lakers. The Grizzlies growled with a big game from John Morant. The AP's Bruce Morton reports. The Grizzlies pulled away down the stretch to defeat the Lakers 121-109. John Morant led the way for Memphis with a triple-double. What did he enjoy most about this game? Getting the win. You no, know, that was the number one goal. Um, 
it's pretty much, you know, what I wanted. Um, just was trying to do, you know, whatever we needed to, you know, get that win. The Morant line read 39 points, 10 rebounds, and 10 assists. This against a Laker team that was without LeBron James because of a foot injury. Memphis has won 5 of 7. I'm Bruce Morton. Voice of America! The Voice of America is once again a proud broadcasting partner of the Men's Basketball Africa League, or BAL, which tips off its third season on March 11th in Dakar, Senegal. What's your take on BAL Season 3? That's the question Iron Mike Mbonye posed to a co-founder of the non-profit basketball foundation, Giants of Africa, Godwin Awenji. My take on the third uh, season of the Africa Basketball League is that it's definitely going to make basketball in the continent continue to rise. It's a big league for us in Africa, definitely. And um, there's so much talent in the continent that at least forces kids to look forward to something to play for. Before the league, kids, they just play basketball and don't look forward to nothing. Most of them look forward to going to the U.S., go to Europe and all that. Now that we have this league, at least, you know, young kids who aspire to play for one of these teams um, every year, which is a good thing with regards to improving the development of the game in the continent. Uh, it's a big plus for every basketball players, players in the continent. Do you think the first two seasons of the league have lived up to expectations in assisting to develop the game in the continent? Uh, it's definitely developing the game of basketball in the continent. It has created a lot of awareness, uh, number one. And also governments and private sectors are beginning to think about building infrastructures now, state-of-the-art, you know, arenas. Because of the success that uh, the first two years has, has brought, you know, the, the facility in Kigali and the facility in uh, Senegal and the facilities in Tunisia and those places, you know, has really opened peop uh, a lot of people's eyes with regards to, you know, getting facilities. Nigeria is thinking about getting a facility like that now. So that's, that is a big plus for us. And, uh, you know, several countries, you know, the, the skinny is that several countries are trying to be part of uh, the Bar League, you know, because of what is done so far in the first two years. Even players abroad, in, uh, for example, in the United States or Europe, they're beginning to want to come back home to play in the league now. I've, had several calls, you know, from kids that wants wants to go back uh, and play in the bar league. They want me to connect them with somebody in order for them to, uh, you know, to come play in the league. So it has really helped in developing the game. Young kids are, you know, beginning to, like I said in the beginning, beginning to look forward to playing the game now because of the first two years. It has been a huge success. Uh, it's, it's like, you know, anything you start, there's always going to be obstacles. you got to give it at least between five to ten years. Uh, uh, you know, uh, the, the, this league will have a very, very solid ground in the continent and elsewhere. It's definitely helping, you know, to develop the game, you know, across all sectors. Godwin, do you also think that the Basketball Africa League will be an avenue to recruit future NBA players? 
of course, yeah, you know, uh, definitely going to be a feeder league to the NBA because of the, the talent, the abundance of talent we have in the continent. Actually, there, there are a couple of kids right now in the NBA Academy in Senegal that are being looked at by a bunch of NBA teams in this year's draft directly from Africa. So, you know, it's definitely going to be, a, in another five to ten years, the, the, the league is definitely going to be a feeder league, just like the G League uh, in the U.S. Uh, to the NBA. The one other thing that the league has really, you know, brought to the continent is that, you know, kids are beginning to play the game very young now. You know, it used to be before everyone plays soccer and then when you when you start growing tall, uh, someone advises you to go play basketball. It's not like that anymore. And uh, another thing that I, I want to use this uh, platform to bring awareness to is also is that uh, Please, parents, and you know, in the continent, parents, allow your children to play sports, most especially basketball. Sports and education go hand in hand. You know, there's so many things that sports can bring to a kid's life. Uh, sports can open a lot of doors for, for, for you know, for you. You travel the world, you meet new people, network. You know, get a great job. You know, so many things. You know, so please, parents, allow your kids to play sports very young, at the age of seven, eight, nine, ten. Let them go out there and play. It actually improves, you know, the the lifespan of uh, human being. You know, being active. So yeah, definitely. Uh, to answer the question again, it's definitely going to be a feeder league, and uh, you, I won't I won't be surprised if a kid gets drafted from Africa this year or next year. Because the kids they have, the kids the NBA has and in, in, in the academy in Senegal, you know, they, they are very, very good. And I've seen, I've seen them, you know, I'm a scout myself with the uh, Brooklyn Nets. So uh, there's a couple of kids on, on, on that academy that we are looking at. That's Godwin Owinji, a co-founder of the Giants of Africa Foundation. And Godwin spoke with Iron Mike and Bonnier on the telephone from New York City. Sporty greetings. This is Godwin Owinji, co-founder of Giants of Africa, international scout with the Brooklyn Nets. You're listening to the sunny side of sports on the Voice of America. The sunny side of sports remembers Bob Richards a two-time Olympic pole vault gold medalist for the USA. Richards also became an ordained minister. He died Sunday at the age of 97. USA Track and Field confirmed his death. His son, Brandon, wrote in a social media post that his father passed in his sleep peacefully, surrounded by loved ones. Bob Richards competed at the 1948, 1952, and 1956 Olympics in the pole vault. He won a bronze medal in his first Olympics, followed by back-to-back gold medal performances. He was inducted into the U.S. Olympic Hall of Fame in 1983, and in 1958, Bob Richards appeared on a box of Wheaties cereal. Wheaties has captured something, a mythological something. The all-American boy, become a champion, dream a dream, go for greatness, uh, be fit, live clean. I mean, it's a part of the greatest values in America. And I think this is why people want to be on the Wheaties box. That's the late, great USA Olympian Bob Richards, 
who died Sunday at the age of 97. Turning to tennis, top-ranked Novak Djokovic held on to beat Czech qualifier Tomas Machak 6-3, 3-6, and 7-6 at the Dubai Tennis Championships. It was Djokovic's first match since winning his 10th Australian Open title earlier this year. Meanwhile, it appears unlikely that Novak Djokovic will appear in upcoming tournaments in California and Florida. That's because Djokovic is not vaccinated against the coronavirus. Djokovic has had to seek special permission from American authorities to enter the United States. The Transportation Security Administration here in the USA currently has vaccination requirements for foreign air travelers in place until at least mid-April. And that wraps up the March 1st edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in. I get it. I'm VOA Sunny Young in Washington. And that's the sunny side of sports.